everybody, and welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Thursday, Eric Moody Day. What's up, man? Hey, Nando. I, I guess Thursday is Eric Moody Day, but things are going great. Uh, you know, down here in Dallas, I would say somewhere between better and best. But it's hard to believe. I'm like, we are a little under two weeks until the kickoff of the 2020 NFL season. Well, I think what you just said is it's kind of part of the problem. Obviously not for people listening to the show because they're tuned in, but like I've kind of like uh, I'm gathering people from my league together. I'm a commissioner for whatever stupid reason I did that. 14 man league uh and I got six people in the last week after two emails who were like, "Yeah, I'm in." Uh so I don't know, man. Like we need like we need to see something. Some kind of spike to get people back into this. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy without having, you know, preseason cuz you're not getting, you know, the clips uh, you know, of games and a lot of the, you know, kind of the beat writer reports. Yeah. So it, it has been different. It's like, everyone's going to kind of like, kind of wake up, like they have that shot of adrenaline. It's like, Oh my goodness, we've got like two days before the season starts. I need to get a league together. So I yeah. Feel yeah. Uh, speaking of which our producer, Michael Beller has a beat writer roundup coming this week. Uh, I think tomorrow it's going to drop uh, good stuff, man. He did it for baseball and they dropped nuggets that have turned out to be like, this guy's the closer. This, this is the breakout pitcher, this and that. So, uh, I don't know. It's good stuff. And by the way, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, if you're just listening to the show, um, you can go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. We're going to give you a 40% discount on a one-year subscription. Um, and that's not just fantasy. This is like the entire site is, uh, is included with every kind of subscription. So, you get us, yeah. You get Moody, yeah. But you also get, like, the best basketball writers in the world. And I, I'm sure, you know, whatever sport you enjoy, whatever team you enjoy, 40% off gets you into like 36 bucks. So there you go. Our gift to you. Uh, Eric, last <laughs> week we did Choose Your Own Adventure. I think we're going to skip it this week and go back to it next week because there's we, we got a lot of requests for uh, dollar values. People, You know, for people who are, who are going into auction salary cap leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured we'd jump into that and then we could put, even though, Spoiler alert, there was an element of that in the second half of the Choose Your Own Adventure um, with the aliens. I figured like, if we just want a straight show as we're trying to get people back in and like clear out the cobwebs, this might be a little more helpful. And then we can bring the silliness back next week. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Uh, so I got like seven questions about uh, some kind of choices that I'd like to hear which way you would go with this. It's just about budget management, essentially. Um, as much as if you like the player at that price or not. And then later on, I got seven statements that I want to run by you that don't have anything to do with dollar values. They're just kind of blanket statements. Like, uh, how crazy is this statement? You know, like, Austin Eckler won't surpass his 2019 totals. How crazy is that? It's more of a disagree-agree thing. But let's get into these dollar values. Um, I pulled them off ESPN. Uh, I thought, you know, we, you know, we use NFFC a lot here. We use Yahoo a lot. We use CBS a lot. Uh, we haven't really paid much attention to ESPN, so you can actually go to fantasy.espn.com slash football slash live draft results to see what we're working off. Uh, so, Eric Moody, let me present this scenario to you. Uh, this is a $200 budget. And I assume, I'm assuming, three wide receivers, but whatever. Let's say three wide receivers for this, this practice. Uh, your choice is you can get a $42 Devontae Adams and a $20 Calvin Ridley or a $32 Mike Evans, and a $30 Kenny Galladay. So it's basically a question of how do you want to spend the $62 you have when you're talking about some of the top-level wide uh, wide receivers. Would you rather have that Adams-Ridley combo, or would you rather have the Evans-Galladay combo? I'd rather have the Adams and Ridley combo. Now I'm going to break it down for everyone onto why that is. So you've got Devontae Adams. You're looking at the dark horse candidate to finish as the fantasy wide receiver one in 2020. Now, the Packers didn't really invest in the wide receiver position during the NFL draft. You know, they did sign Devin Funchess this offseason, only to see him opt out of, of the 2020 season due to COVID. Yeah. Now, Adams has been like spectacular, like over the last four seasons. I'm like, you look at his body of work, you know, he's averaged a little over nine targets, six receptions, 75 receiving yards, and 101 air yards. He ranks in the top 10 in each of those statistical categories on a per-game basis over that time frame. You're a fantasy points person? Absolutely. This guy finishes a wide receiver two or better 
uh, fantasy receiver, like in 65% of those games, you know, averaging nearly 18 PPR fantasy points per game. Touchdown machine. I'm like, he leads all receivers with 23 red zone touchdowns since 2017. Now, what's interesting with Adams, I'm like, he missed uh, four games uh, last season due to turf toe. But he yeah. still ranked second among wide receivers with 105 or more targets in player profilers target separation metric. And for those that aren't familiar with that, that's a metric that's going to calculate a receiver's average yards of separation distance from the closest defender at the moment the pass target arrives. Now, Adams already has an excellent rapport with Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to change. But it's also worth noting, you know, that prior to last season, Uh, In the beginning of the uh, Matt LaFleur regime in Green Bay, I'm like, they did have seven straight seasons uh, in the top 10 of wide receiver uh, target share percentage. Now, that changed last year. You know, the Packers ranked 21st. Adams still accounted for nearly 23% of the team's targets, with the running backs accounting for 24.5%. So for those that may be thinking as I'm breaking this down, well, well, what about last year? This shouldn't stop you from drafting Adams. Uh, The Packers offense can support one fantasy wide receiver and Adams is going to be fed all the targets that he can handle. One thing too, you know, if you're a strength of schedule junkie or like to look at those metrics and 04 for four has a really good one. Uh, It's called schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed green Bay, you know, has a great schedule for receivers. And so if you're late, like in the first round, if you're not doing auction, I would highly consider uh, drafting Adams, but in an auction league at that cost, I'm all in. So before I break down Ridley, I want to kind of pass it back to you Nando to see what you have to say about that breakdown. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> there you go, man. Congratulations. All hail Eric Moody. Uh, no, but so it was, I mean, like I've, I don't know what it is. And I think because I'm, I'm a heavy running back player up top and um, I like to spend more than like the $30 range in a, in a, in an auction. Um, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I don't spend the 70 bucks on McCaffrey. I will yeah. rarely spend like the 60, 55, whatever on those next few running backs. Um, and spending 40 something dollars on a wide receiver, I'd rather get, you know, the end game dollar guys. Uh, so I really don't jump in until like the $30 range. It's more like I want a bunch of fourth and fifth round picks mm-hmm. just to translate it to draft talk. So I've, you, I've rarely landed on Devonte Adams. I actually, I don't think I've ever had Devonte Adams on any of my fantasy teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way I like to play and it's, it's maybe it's hurt me a little bit. Yeah, but one thing that that's unique, I'm like, if you you look at Adams at that price point, and you're able to kind of pair, you know, a receiver like Calvin Calvin Ridley with him, right? Uh, one thing like with Atlanta, I'm like, they have you know 258 vacated targets uh, heading into the season. Now, again, I'm I'm kind of being the mind reader today. I'm sure everyone that out there is listening is like, well, what about Julio Jones? I'm like, Julio's there. I'm like, he's always commanded a, a sizable target share, you know, throughout his career. Right. Like you're looking at a guy that's averaged 10 targets, a little bit over six receptions, 96 receiving yards and nearly 124 air yards per game in his career. You know, he's a statistical monster. Now, one thing that's interesting, though, you know, for those that kind of follow, you know, when a player breaks out or declines, I'm like 2020, you know, will be Jones's age 31 season. I'm like, he's very capable of producing into his 30s. But here's the reality. You know, father time is undefeated. Now, Jones did post the fewest yards per target of his career and fewest receiving yards, you know, since 2013. But since the year 2000, I'm like only six wide receivers have scored, you know, 285 or more PPR fantasy points during their age 31 seasons. Now, Ridley was solid in 2019. I'm like he averaged a little over seven targets, you know, nearly five receptions, 66 receiving yards, 96 air yards and a half a touchdown per game in 13 games last season. Like, this is a guy that was on pace for a 1,000 or more receiving yards before missing the last three games of the season. Now, something to consider, too, uh, with Ridley is that defensive coordinators may focus more on Ridley this year with uh, Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper gone. Uh, But here's the reality. I'm like, Ridley has been a fabulous addition, you know, to the Falcons uh, over the last two seasons. And he's in a really great position to outperform uh, not only his ADP, if you're not in an auction league, but also this cost that you're you're putting money on the table in an auction to get him. Like he's earned the trust of Matt Ryan, franchise quarterback. You've got Dirk Cutter back as offensive coordinator. He's got, you know, he's got some skins on the wall with him, and I think he would pair very nicely having Ridley as your second wide receiver 
and then having Adams as your wide receiver one. So that's the breakdown on why I would go with that dynamic duo. I, th- I think it's only fair because we, you know, we played in all these formats too. You have Odell Beckham who comes out. He's like 23. I, I've been rounding up. He's $23.8. So we'll say mm-hmm. Odell Beckham's 24. Allen Robinson's 23. And Cortland Sutton's 19. Um, do any of those strike you as a better pair than Calvin Ridley? Because for me, like I, when I was putting these together, I'm like, wow, Calvin Ridley at 20 bucks. That's a, that's a guy I'd go 20, you know, two, 23, 24 on. The rest of them seemed okay. But uh, as far as far as you look at these, this collection of Beckham Jr., Allen Robinson at 24 and 23, respectively, and Cortland Sutton at 19, do they jump out at you more than Ridley? Yeah, I would say one of those receivers that really jumps out uh, more would be uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, as you know, Nando, with our conversations like on on the podcast and also offline, like I'm really, really high on Allen Robinson yes, uh, this year. And I'm like, you can even see that reflected in uh, my wide receiver tiers article that's available uh, at The Athletic. And for he is one that I would pay those additional dollars to land. I can always find value elsewhere, but um, I'm like I'm I'm literally like salivating here. Like I've got like a Peter Luger steak in front of me thinking about <laughs> that I've got you know the the ability to have not only Allen Robinson and also Devontae Adams. I'm like that that is very enticing to me. When you let me ask you a question. So if Allen Robinson if if you're in the middle of this and Allen Robinson's at twenty one, you go twenty two, someone says twenty three, you say twenty four, as you're doing this, are you saying like, okay, I guess I'm not gonna get Deshaun Watson as my quarterback. I'm totally cool with like Daniel Jones. Like, where am I going to lose these four dollars? Do you just kind of play that out? Do you see it happen on the page, or are you just like, screw it? I'm going to get the guys I want, and when this bidding is over, then I'll figure out what which kind of chipping away I'm going to do and where. Um, how does that work in your brain when you're in the middle of this all? You you have to have a, a dollar point that's like the point of like no return. Like you you've got to know. Okay, I'm not willing to go over this range. Uh, and so I would I would set that number really high. Like in many cases, I'm like, I'm not going to go past that point. But let's say if, if you do, which yeah. you always have to have like a contingency plan. If you do, that's fine. It's just you may need to carve or shave some dollars off, I guess is a better way to put it at the quarterback position. Like you mentioned, I, I may have to go with Daniel Jones. But that or seems I may, like an easy target, right? Yeah, or, or I may yeah. need to go with like a Derek Carr. I'm like, you can have a committee of two different quarterbacks and replicate QB one week's. You know, just like the the Shannon Sharp, you know, gift, you know, that's no problem. We can do that. Right. Uh, so that's the approach that I would take. When you so what I do sometimes when I'm let's say I got like forty dollars left for eight guys, and there, you know, there's a string of players who come up that I don't like. On the left side, I'll actually start, you know, I'll have my roster, I'll do it on paper, you know, mm-hmm. QB, RB, RB, WR, WR, whatever. On the left side of the position. I'll just scribble in names and dollar values of the guys I think that I'd like to fill in right there mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of really quickly do the math and make sure that's still less than what I, what I have left. So if I have my targets late, I just want to make sure I can still fill up, you know, if I've waited on WR three and I really like Curtis Samuel, I'll put, you know, Samuel on the left side, you know, four or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. 10, whatever the dollar value is. Uh, I don't know. It works for me and allows me to kind of be able to buy these rich people. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Yeah. No, you're 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 right. Yeah, you have to have your your targets, and uh, and that's where like tiers and kind of other things kind of come into play. Like the more prepared you are going into that auction, where you know, okay, what's my contingency plan? Like if this scenario happens, and it's really just executing your strategy. And that way, you're you're not going to be kind of caught looking like a deer in the headlights, where you don't know where you're going to go. And I think we've all been in drafts uh, where we've seen like those individuals, and it's just like it's just like a shark where you're smelling like blood in the water. Yeah, uh, which is good if mm-hmm. you're practicing at least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, as long as you're the shark and not the blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next one. This one involves the $70 Christian McCaffrey, which is his uh, his average price on ESPN. Um, so you get your Christian McCaffrey, and I'm working with $88 here, mm-hmm. and an $18 Le'Veon Bell. Or would you prefer a $41 Aaron Jones and a $39 Joe Mixon? You know, I I thought like really long and hard like on this scenario, but I'm going with Christian McCaffrey and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, McCaffrey, everyone knows the story, finishes the RB1 in PPR last season, averaged a a cool 29.4 fantasy points per game 
Mike, he's only the third player in NFL history to have a thousand or more rushing yards and a thousand or more receiving yards in the same season. His receiving ability is what's going to separate him from other running backs. Mike, he led the position last year, you know, 135 targets, 116 receptions and a thousand and five receiving yards while averaging a very, very nice 1.76 yards per out run, according to Pro Football Focus. Only Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas had more receptions. So I'm going to go all in on someone like that. I'm going to pay the price tag of $70. But what really makes this pairing attractive is that if you can combine McCaffrey with someone like Le'Veon Bell, who has a very similar skill set to McCaffrey, even though I still haven't forget, for, forgiven uh, uh, Bell for you know tweeting out some of those hideous music videos, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so Bell like finished last season with the eighth most opportunities per game among running backs, about 216 He was disappointing when you look at fantasy points, you know, 14.5 PPR fantasy points per game. The Jets offense was very, very dysfunctional last season. Not going to go into detail there. I know Bell did struggle behind one of the worst offensive lines like in the league. Things were so dire for him is that he was essentially trying to break dance in the backfield. I'm like, he only averaged, you know, 0.56. Just picture that 0.56 yards before contact per carry last season. He ranked last among running backs who had at least 50 rushing attempts last season. Now, the good news is that the Jets front office has addressed the offensive line this offseason. I do like a lot of the moves that the Jets made uh, within their front office. Bell, I think, is a very intriguing, you know, bounce back candidate, you know, in 2020. He's a nice value, especially at this cost in an auction, just considering the volume. Less than $20, man. Yeah. For for Le'Veon Bell. Exactly. He's 35, you know, it's like he's Frank Gore. No, no, ex- exactly. Especially yeah. for a guy that's going to get that volume. So he's going to pair nicely with McCaffrey. Yeah. All right. I like that too. I mean, that's 88 against $80, but I really couldn't find a match for the Jones mix inside to make it 88. And I want to get that Christian McCaffrey. You know, like you spend 70 bucks on Christian McCaffrey early and you're like, all right, let's, uh, let's go bargain hunting for the next few rounds. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Third one. Uh, I want to mix in a quarterback and it's just see like, Expensive quarterback uh, and his and his cheap wide receiver versus expensive receiver and his cheap quarterback. So we got a thirty-four dollar Lamar Jackson paired with a seven dollar Marquise Hollywood Brown for forty-one dollars total, or you get a thirty-three dollar Mike Evans and an eight dollar Tom Brady for forty-one dollars. So same price. Uh, who do you want? Yeah, I believe my response may uh, may surprise many out there, but I'm going with uh, Mike Evans and Tom Brady here. And and I don't I'm going surprises anyway. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just because everyone's looking at Lamar Jackson and they're just like, oh, Lamar Jackson, look what he did last year. And so I'm like, it, it was a great season, but I'm gonna really break down in detail for one, why that combo is superior, but also why many are overlooking Mike Evans, because everyone's like, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, ooh, Chris Godwin, slot receiver Brady. That's what I'm going with. That that's not the route to go. So Mike Evans, he's been the focal point of the Buccaneers offense like his entire career. Right. You know, you've got Tom Brady there. He's, you know, he's, that's not going to change. You know, Evans is going to be the focal point. Now, Evans is 26 years old. I'm like, he's had six seasons on his NFL resume with a thousand or more receiving yards. I'm like, you look at his body of work, a little bit over nine targets, five receptions, nearly 81 receiving yards in 90 active games since 2014. Now think think about the the company that he's with here. When I break down like the stat for you, it's like the only other wide receivers who've averaged a higher number of receiving yards per game than Evans since 2014 are New Hopkins, OBJ, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, and Julio. Like Evans has finished as a wide receiver one or better in half of his career games. Now I give the breakdown. I'm a mind well, reader. I feel like I should point out at this point that yeah. you last year wrote an article called Mike Evans is the NFL's best receiver. Yeah, got a I lot did. Of positive, got a lot of positive returns. So you're a Mike Evans guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, sorry. Just, just, just to give a little background. Continue, sir. Oh, no, no. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I am a Mike Evans guy. It's um, a lot of people will be quick to point out, you know, his like inefficiency. I'm like, you know, he's inefficient, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, Evans has had, you know, positive fantasy points over expectation uh, since 2014. When you look at his expected points and fantasy points over expectation on a per game basis, they're on par with Keenan Allen, you know, New Hopkins and Jarvis Landry. And just for those that aren't 
aware of those stats that are out there, I'll give a, a quick breakdown. Like expected points are going to be the number of fantasy points that a target should score based on that game situation. Now, fantasy points over expectation, think efficiency. That's going to account for yards and touchdowns and combine those into a single, num- uh, single number. Uh, Evans, again, uh, led all wide receivers uh, in air yards uh, per game since 2014. And he's averaged a little bit over 135. Now, this season, I'm like, he'll have to adjust to a change in quarterback, which is a good thing. And I'll tell you why. So the Buccaneers' decision to sign Brady is obviously a clear indication that they're like, okay, Jameis Winston was fun, very inconsistent. We need to move away from that. You think about Bruce Arians, you know, Buccaneers head coach. He's always deployed that aggressive vertical, you know, passing offense. I know Brady will have some input, obviously. You know, he's the GOAT. They're paying him a ton of money. So he's obviously going to have some some input. But one thing about Brady and in, in, in just NFL players or, or just or just people in general, you know, that are that are wired like he is. I'm like he he is a you know, he he's very precise with where he wants to place his passes. And he wants to get the football to Evans in a way that'll maximize his contested catchability, you know, in yards after after the catchability. Now, like Evans, I'm like, he's the most talented wide receiver Brady has thrown balls to since Randy Moss. Now, you think way back to that epic 2007 season, like Moss averaged six receptions, 10 targets, and 93 receiving yards per game. Right. Now, now Evans is on his second contract with the Buccaneers. You know, he signed a monster deal, you know, five-year, $82 million deal. I think he had like $55 million, like guaranteed. I'm like, you know, you, you got to chase the money, right? They're paying him a ton of money. You got uh, Godwin that's in a contract year. Like Evans is going to get all the targets that he can handle from an accurate quarterback. I'm like, if if you're a a film guy, you look at his frame, his strength, his play speed. I'm like, it makes Evans the quintessential eraser for inaccurate throws. And we know one thing with the GOAT is that he is not inaccurate. And so that's something that he dealt with like on a regular basis, like with Winston. But but one thing with Brady, you, you may be thinking, again, I'm a mind reader this week. Uh, listeners. So you may be thinking, well, Brady still doesn't have enough arm strength to like throw the football deep. You know, he's like 40 something years old. He's probably like Captain America or something, but that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, one thing with Brady, I'm like, he still has enough arm strength to throw the football deep. I'm like, he tied up with Kyler Murray for the 13th most pass attempts targeted 20 yards downfield last season with 62. He had a deep passing completion percentage of 42% for 728 yards and a quarterback rating of 102.1 on those throws with a questionable group of receivers in New England last year. You've got Brady and Evans. It's given him a perfect opportunity to showcase his deep ball passing skills. And Godwin, too. Now, I want to touch on, before bringing all this together, uh, about Godwin and his slot production. Because everyone thinks of Tom Brady. They think of Julian Edelman. Wes Welker, how these two guys thrive with Brady in the past and thinking, okay, automatically Godwin's a guy. Again, I'll reiterate, I believe that's a mistake. Now, Godwin accumulated 68 targets, 50 receptions, 838 receiving yards, and five touchdowns from the slot in 2019. Now, Evans is no slouch in the slot either. Last season, I know he caught 21 out of 25 targets for 330 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Now, one thing to consider He's only averaged 22.4 targets per season from the slot from 2014 to 2018. Now, one thing with Brady, I'm like, he has a history of providing targets to receivers, tight ends, and running backs lined up in the slot. Whoever's open, they're going to get the football. So I don't believe Godwin's going to have a stranglehold on those slot opportunities. Something else with Evans, folks, is that um, he led the Buccaneers in red zone targets last season. I think that'll continue in 2020. Now, one thing with the GOAT, you know, Tom Brady has thrown 541 touchdown passes to 77 different players throughout his illustrious career, you know, with Gronkowski and Randy Moss accounting for the highest number. So to bring all that together, where you're looking at these dollars in an auction, if you can land Tom Brady on the cheap and Mike Evans on the cheap because everyone else is in love with Chris Godwin, I think that's a move that you should make. $33 Mike, uh, $33 Mike Evans to you is cheap, right? He should be 40. I mean, would you, well, let me ask you this. Would you rather have, uh, in that first scenario we brought up with Devonte Adams and Calvin Ridley, would you rather have Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley? If you can get Evans for like 35 and save that $7. 
that that's an intriguing scenario. I'm just really high on Devontae Adams because he's he's given you, you know, an opportunity to have like the the wide receiver one. So that's a really tough one for me. I would rather just spend the extra coin to to get Evans. I mean, uh, excuse me, to get uh, Adams instead of Evans. Oh, really? You can get all three. Yeah, it's I guess money, you could. You know? Yeah, true, yeah. true. Good point, Nando. Suffer elsewhere, but who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, if you're going to battle each week with those three guys as your as your top three receivers, and that's something that that makes auction drafts really fun, is that you you can actually make that happen. We'll tell you what. Coming up uh, in our next few scenarios. We have some cheap running backs who can actually help you. I guess this would be a zero RB plan that we've kind of almost created. Uh, But really quickly, um, we just want to give a shout out to our sponsor coming up. Uh, We're going to come back with some Cam Akers talk, some Michael Gallup talk, and then a bevy of cheap running backs and wide receivers are going to make Eric pick a couple of them. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back. All right. That has teased. Uh, Let's get into this this kind of, I'd call it a cheap running back scenario, which I don't know, like, we're talking about the average values, so I'm sure some are much higher. Uh, obviously, some have to be lower, but I got a $7 Cam Akers against a $7 Mark Ingram. I feel like it's almost more compelling at this point to be like, so you get a $42 Devonte Adams, a $20 Calvin Ridley, and a $35 Mike Evans. You're almost forcing yourself to look at the $7 Cam Akers and the $7 Mark Ingram, right? Yeah. Yeah. These are the kind of guys you got to pick up if you're going to go with that strategy. No, no, absolutely. And uh, both players are in a really, really good situation to succeed. But you know, if you're asking me to choose between these two, uh, I would end up going with uh, Cam Akers. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. It's just, right? yeah. I'm like, he, he's a, he's a monster. You know, the, the Rams, you know, addressed the running back position early in the NFL draft by selecting Akers number 52 overall. I'm like, what that told me is that, hey, we're not comfortable going into this season with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown as our top two guys. And one thing with Akers, I'm like, you look at his body of work, I'm like, it aligns really well with what he's going to be faced with in uh, Los Angeles because, you know, Akers, you know, the third running back in Florida State history, multiple seasons uh, with a thousand or more rushing yards. I'm like, you look at his 2,874 rushing yards and 1,100 yard games ranked six in school history. I mean, he left the program ranked 12th all time with 3,375 all-purpose yards. I mean, he played behind, you know, a, a poor offensive line. So he's he's obviously showed that he's athletically gifted and talented enough to, as I like to say, transcend poor offensive line play. I mean, he forced a missed tackle on 32% of his touches and averaged nearly four rushing yards after contact per attempt. And so, you know, the Rams selected him and kind of pointed to him saying, hey, you are going to be our new you know, Todd Gurley. And it's just one of those scenarios that by as the season progresses on, I'm like, he's going to end up um, having a stranglehold on the number of opportunities in that backfield. And he's really shaping up to be like a, like a league winner. Like when you need him most, he's I'm like, a, yeah, that's it. yeah, I'm like, he's a $35 running back for seven bucks exactly. Potent- in like, in like 80 of the 100 multiverses you can talk about, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that's like, if we're on that right one, he can explode in that offense. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he's young, you know, he's athletically gifted, you know, he's hungry. I'm like Mark, Mark Ingram is, is very, very talented, but you just have to think about it. Are, are you, are you paying seven bucks for floor or for ceiling? And you're getting like floor with Mark Ingram. I'd rather have the ceiling with acres. Yeah, me too. hundred percent. Like I, the, the closer we get to draft day, um, or, or I guess my figurative draft day, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's like Cam Akers just looks better and better, and his price isn't following. Like, so I'm reading everything everyone's writing for us, obviously. Uh-huh, yeah, and it's it's like this repeating theme, and it's not like it's not out there. It might be like the sixth point in someone's story. So it's it's not like he's getting helium because everyone's just buzzing about him. It's like Cam Akers is still almost like this really well kept secret, and I don't think too many people are jumping on him. Like maybe they should. Maybe. You know, no one's like planted their flag in Cam Akers and been like, I'm the Cam Akers guy. You know, like there's not that analyst out there that I've seen yet who's made like, you know, a thousand word story about why Cam Akers is the greatest value in fantasy football right now. But the more I see and the more I read, he's he's just starting to feel like the Todd Gurley replacement and not like the Darrell Henderson compliment. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, they, they drafted him that high for a reason. And just given the draft picks that they had going into the draft, I'm like, that that speaks volumes. Yeah. Uh, let's tell you what, uh, since we got expensive wideouts already, I had a $6 Brandon Cooks against a $6 Michael Gallup. 
which I thought, again, it's just eyeballing them. They look kind of cheap to me. But I guess that's how the auction kind of goes sometimes. You're top heavy. And then, you know, especially with the $200 budget, spend a lot early. And then you trinkle down to like Cooks and Gallup at $6 and, you know, Acres and Ingram at 7 And this next group of guys who I have at like 3 and $2. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just an interesting. Uh, anyway, we'll come back. I want to. I want to run through this list of three dollar and two dollar players. Okay, yeah, um, let's do it. I'm going to give you the scenario where you actually went hard on these wide receivers. You have Adams, you have Ridley, and you have Evans mm-hmm. at forty two, twenty, and thirty three dollars. So what's that? Ninety five dollars has been spent out of your two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want you to pick three of these cheap players. You can get a three dollar Jordan Howard. There's a $3 Henry Ruggs. There's a $2 Jerry Judy, a $2 Marlon Mack, and a $2 Nicole Hardman. And let's just consider this a PPR league uh, for the purposes of, you know, valuing these guys. Um, You know, I might even throw in like a $1 Naheem Hines just to make it weird. So for $3, Jordan Howard, Henry Ruggs, $2, Jerry Judy, Marlon Mack, Nicole Hardman, and then we'll throw in a $1 Naheem Hines. Okay. I was going to have you pick three out of that group. Yeah, it's uh, three players that like immediately kind of resonated with me once you rattled off the names. Uh, one is uh, Jordan Howard, uh, signed a two-year deal, a nearly $10 million contract with Miami, includes, uh, I believe, close to $5 million guaranteed. I'm like, he, you know, he's, he's not a... You know, he's not a, a player from a fantasy lens that's going to make you go, wow, look at this guy. But he's finished right. as a running back, too, in 53% of his career games in PPR formats. Like He's averaged nearly 16 rushing attempts, 68 rushing yards uh, since 2016 on a per-game per basis. Um, you think more about Howard. Uh, two other running backs you know, that have had more rushing attempts than Howard's 897 since 2016 – are uh, Todd Gurley, you know, with 1,036, and Ezekiel Elliott with 1,169. Same applies to rushing yards with this trio of running backs. You've got Elliott, followed by Gurley, followed by Howard. Now, he has historically not been used much as a receiver out of the backfield. I, I doubt that that would change much in 2020, but behind the Dolphins' revamp offensive line, this is a running back that could thrive that you can get on the cheap. So that was one name. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? You know what it is for yeah. me, Chan Gailey. Yeah, like Chan Gailey isn't like one of those hot shot, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay type of coordinators. Mm-hmm. He's not even like Pat Shermer, who you know, you're banking. He made Saquon Barkley into you know what he was, and he had a great rookie year with Trent Richardson and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Chan Gailey to me seems just kind of like a balanced, almost boring, and maybe that's unfair to him, but whatever, uh, coordinator, and that plays into Jordan Howard for me. That's that's what you know. Chan Gailey running that Dolphins offense is what makes Jordan Howard more valuable than Matt Breda to me. You know, no, no, that, that's a good point about Gailey because it's it's one of those, it's kind of one of those things. And I believe uh, Nando, I think you and Emery uh, chatted about this on uh, one of the athletic pods. Is that um, Gailey is not one of those coaches for where you know he's trying to like impose like his offensive scheme or mindset like on the personnel. I'm like, you know, he's like a chameleon. He's like, okay, here's the players that I have. What, what, what does this player do? Well, what does that player do? Well, okay, we're going to do more of that. And it it should be that simple, but I'm like in the NFL, I'm like, you've got so many like egos and especially like with coaches for where it's like they're, they're, they're pumping their chest out saying it's my way or the highway. We got to do it this way. And, and I'd rather just win, you know, I'd, I'd rather just have a reputation as a winner and not, you know, my scheme is the reason why we won. At the end of the day, people look at wins and losses and it's just all about what you want to have on your resume. But anyway, quick, quick side note, but I just thought I'd share that. Uh, just considering you mentioned Gailey. Yeah. Okay. So who are your other two? Yeah, I would say my other two, uh, you, you know, I'm going to bring up Henry Ruggs. Uh, yep. You know, this is a guy that's got all the tools that are needed to succeed at the next level. Very nice value. Um, I'm like, he blessed the quarterbacks who targeted him at Alabama with the passer rating of 151.4, according to Pro Football Focus. He's essentially the Raiders version of uh, Tyreek Hill. Because remember, they were supposed to go into last season with Antonio Brown as their number one guy. That didn't work out. Derek Carr was still productive. Anyway, Derek Carr is another, if you're in an auction, another late-round quarterback that I'm very high on. The guy finishes a QB2 or better in 81% of his games last season. Imagine what he can accomplish with Henry Ruggs and the other offensive pieces that the Raiders front office has surrounded him with. I'll round that off with my third option, uh, which would be uh, McCole Hardman. 
he's inex- right. yeah, he's inexpensive. Uh, he's a receiver that's tied to one of the NFL's most productive offenses. Uh, he's going he's going to have some big games, but if something ends up happening to you know like Tyreek Hill or, or Kelsey or even Sammy Watkins to a degree, you know he's going to find himself in a very very great position to uh, be a difference maker. I'm like, it's tough to fade a receiver on an offense that's average and impressive 401 total yards per game, you know, since they've had Patrick Mahomes like under centers or starting quarterback. So those are my three right. guys. Even here, like the fourth option on that team, maybe even fifth, depending on how uh, Edwards Hilaire works into that offense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's you're right. Like it's there's that's you're, you're playing with different rules when you're talking about Kansas City. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely. Enough volume to, you know, and you know what Hardman, what's cool about him, he doesn't actually need the volume. I think he had 50 targets last year, 51 maybe, something like that. Mm-hmm. And did, I mean, this was his rookie year in that offense, and he did big things with it. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Who would have been your fourth, just out of curiosity? Like, if I put Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, and Jerry Judy in there for you. Yeah, I would say my my fourth, and I almost had him in my in my top three, is, uh, is Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, he's, he's a young running back. He's been very productive for the Colts. Uh, you know, I, I know... You know, they've got the rookie kind of clipping at his heels, uh, which he is going to get some opportunities. But it, it's still looking at it, looking at a committee backfield. I'm like Marlon yeah. Mack will end up playing a role and he's just so dirt cheap right now. Uh, I just can't help but but to not not targeted him, uh, target him where he's going, like especially in an auction or even in a kind of a traditional uh, kind of snake format. All right, what, do, what do I have to do to get you to say nice things about Naheem Hines? No, you, you you don't really have to. You really don't have to do anything. It's like it's like you've got. I'm like you've got so many weapons like in that backfield that are, that are going to get opportunities. I'm like Naheem Himes. I'm like he he's going to see some targets. He's going to see some some touches. It's like most people just think about um about Jonathan Taylor and they think about uh, Marlon Mack. They kind of forget about him, but he's going to play a role in that backfield too. So we may be even looking at the dreaded you know three headed monster running back committee with the Colts. But it's just people people don't want to acknowledge that they did they're just intoxicated by by how you know Jonathan Taylor like you know like how he looks and how he runs and all those things. I'm not knocking the guy. He's a phenomenal talent, but the reality is you've got other capable running backs that are in uh that are in that backfield and they're not just gonna hand the keys to the car over to him immediately. See, for me it's I think I feel like it's Philip Rivers throws to his running backs so much and Naheem Hines is that pass-catching running back, and I just could see him getting eight targets a game on average, like something crazy like that that no one's going to see coming. Yeah, yeah, that and the uh, with the tight ends too. I know with uh, Frank Reich, I know he leans heavily on his tight ends, so you got uh, Jake Doyle there and also uh, Trey Burton too. So, yeah, no, you're right. That's going to be an interesting team, I think. Philip River. I mean, you know, after the, that, that would have been a totally different team if Andrew Luck didn't retire last year. Um, you know, they scrambled with Brissett and he was good, but I mean, you bring in Philip Rivers, that's, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I uh, agree. It will be. I want to bring up a end, end of roster. And I assume this would be 15 team territory, 16 team territory, I guess. Uh, you got a $1 Jarek McKinnon versus a $1 Antonio Brown. I kind of view both of them as lottery tickets. Brown obviously has the eight game suspension, uh, which by the way is, the first eight games, uh, it's not when he signs, he'll have to miss eight games. Mm-hmm. So he just he just can't play the first eight games of the season, basically. Yeah, and that and that's key because it, it's some uh, people out there that are kind of overlooking that, thinking that oh, okay, if he comes back, then he's going to be gone for the season, yada yada. So right. yeah, those first eight games, and so um, out of those lottery tickets, it's tough for me to pass on Antonio Brown because you got to think about with your roster. I'm like the bottom half of your roster. I'm like, you're kind of churning in and out anyway during uh, the waiver weeks. Once those really start heating up, once the bye weeks come in. And so with Brown, I'm like, if you look over his last like 93 active games, I'm like, he's averaged 22 fantasy points per game. And he's finished as a wide receiver one in 54% of them. It's it's tough to kind of fade uh, a player like that, that you can get for a dollar that can make an immediate impact on any NFL team that he signs with you know so I imagine that all the time when I'm in the drafts and I'm about to take Brown or I'm actually more like when I'm about to pass on Brown and I just imagine the headline Seattle Seahawks to sign Antonio Brown right or whatever Mm -hmm. team to sign Antonio Brown 
and the the frenzy that would cause in fantasy and how many people would just run out and grab him and then you know just completely changing his value with just one headline you know even like it's a rumor just boom like that antonio mm-hmm. brown is suddenly back in the conversation um you know 8 9 dollar player uh and that's i mean i don't know the only thing that holds me back on that is with all the stuff that he pulled last year yeah if this if this was a normal year fine but like antonio brown's the guy who will bring coronavirus into the entire league with the stunts that he pulls i think i just i just can't see him you know not being able to stand still and go do some crazy stuff and get coronavirus. And yeah, that that's the thing. It, it's not a, an advanced metric or some stat that someone comes up with, you know, the crazy meter metric. I'm like, it, you just can't quantify for that. So it's, yeah. Yeah. no, I, I, I totally understand. It, it's a risk reward, uh, just like with McKinnon too in the scenario. But no, I, I see where you're coming from, Nando. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Jarek McKinnon, I don't even know what to do, man. They got so many running backs there. And I know like you can use them all. And I like maybe he'll be healthy, maybe not. He could be the um oh man, I totally forgot. I can't remember the guy's name. This was from like five years ago. He was like an amazing he was a 49er. Uh-huh. Amazing running back prospect, maybe out of Stanford or USC. Oh, let me think. Anyway, he barely played a game, had these crazy knee problems, and never came back. Yeah. Um, not exactly the same thing, but I like I just feel like he he might be careening down that path. And I hope he's not because I like him, but yeah, no, you're, you're spot on there. If it's someone late with the 49ers uh, backfield, the target, I really like Jeff Wilson. Oh, yeah, really? Jeff, well, Jeff Wilson was like was like three of the first five weeks last year. He would score a bunch of touchdowns, just pop up on the most fantasy points scored sort. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of came out of nowhere, but he, he's like a guy that, uh, you know, they, they seem to like, you know, quite a bit. So it just wouldn't be surprising, you know, if you would see someone like Jeff Wilson end up being the uh, – you know, the the guy, like, in the backfield, you know, just to end up getting, like, some touches randomly. You just never know with uh, Shanahan, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, so I, so I had the crazyometer, but, you know, we're coming up on almost, like, our our perfect time. Uh, so maybe I'll, I'll save that. There was some good stuff in there, but I think we got some great stuff out um, and, like, do the crazyometer justice. So instead, I want to I switch to back to the ESPN salary cap stats. There are some players who have gained a lot of money. Uh, people are paying for their services. Josh Jacobs has gone up $10. Nick Chubb has gone up $6. Dalvin Cook has gone up 5 This is in the last week. Dalvin Cook has gone up 5 Austin Eckler has gone up 5 Ezekiel Elliott's gone up 5 uh, Mark Andrews, also 5 Kenyon Drake and Saquon Barkley. Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Moody, are you, like, is this kind of the market is kind of fixing itself and everyone's just kind of maybe clearing cobwebs or is it like, you know, people are getting into these drafts and Josh Jacobs is at the end of a tier maybe. And so there's kind of like a little bidding war that's, that's getting Josh Jacobs an average of $10 more in the last seven days. He's at $45.2 right now in ESPN. A week ago, he was 35.2. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that, that's an interesting spike. And it could just be, right? yeah, I'm like, you know, it really is. It's, uh, I, I just really worry with Jacobs about his, uh, like the amount of targets that he'll get as a receiver. I know there's been some reports out there implying that, you know, he's going to get X amount of receptions and, and all this receiving work. Perhaps that's something that's kind of buying into that uh, uh, spike, you know, in his uh, cost, like in an auction draft. Like it could be that, or you just may find folks that are scrambling, which which happens. You know, when you're in an auction where you've got, you know, that last player or two that's in kind of that perceived like tier, and then people just have to pay more than what they wanted to just to land like you know quote unquote you know a, a guy. Uh, Nick Chubb, you know, that's someone that that I really like uh, quite a bit. I just think a lot of uh, players are. I guess over overvaluing the role that a Kareem Hunt will have, like in the backfield. I'm like Chubb was still yeah. productive even uh, late last season. Whenever Hunt ended up uh, returning, you know, from his uh, suspension and missed games, so you know Chubb's a really nice value there. And we don't know how Stefanski's going to run this team. Exactly. I mean, I guess we have kind of an idea from last year because, you know, like that was his offense. It wasn't like there was an offensive-minded coach. And, you know, his offensive coordinator who was being dictated what to do or how to execute things. Um, yes, that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. No, 
No, it it will. Yeah, because again, people have a perception of what they what they think is going to happen. But you know, there's that element of of unknown. You know, because it is a new uh, new coaching staff, new regime. So the the top movers are basically all running backs, except for Mark Andrews, uh, Baltimore tight end, who's gone from twelve dollars to seventeen basically in the last week. Um, Do you think that's people who have lost out on the top tier? Maybe, Maybe this is more of an example of I didn't get Kittle. You know, I messed up. I missed out these three or four guys. And now, like, I need to jump on Mark Andrews. And that brings his price up. Yeah. No, I, I believe that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that scenario happening where what I would just rather end up doing is, I'm like, if you miss out on one of those top tight ends, then just await, you know, to the tail end of the draft. It's really the only guys that I want to pay for are really Kittle and uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. I, I wouldn't want to overpay for a guy like Zach Ertz or – or excuse me, Mark Andrews. I would rather just end up waiting. I'm all I'm all about trying to find the next Kittle or the next um, Travis Kelsey. Like one guy that I like late that's that's really cheap is uh, T.J. Hawkinson. So oh yeah, that's that's you and Jake. Yeah, yeah, I know Jake and I. Oh, you did Jake's you did Jake's show yesterday. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, we we didn't talk about uh, we didn't talk about Hawk, but uh, we talked about some other players that we're uh, <laughs> that we're we're aligned with. But it's just it's just so much value late, like at tight end. I'd rather just get a committee of, of two guys and just just try to play the matchups. I'm like, you've got Trey Burton out there who's dirt cheap, Jack Doyle, someone else who people are like, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. But you look at like Jimmy Graham, you know, that's another one that's out there. I'm like, so there's there's a really a lot of value late, like at tight end, uh, you know, that people aren't talking much about, like Juno Smith, uh, Ian Thomas. It's just so many viable options. I just rather yeah. I rather avoid that middle tier, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, Emery Emery had a column up today, uh, kind of scouting the the training camps, and he was talking about the Packers tight ends. Yeah, even like one of those, like uh, Robert Tanyan or Jay Sternberger, mm-hmm. they seem to like a lot there. Oh yeah, yeah, Sternberger is someone I'm very high on as well. Yeah, a lot, lot of great options, and they're they're essentially free. Yeah, you know who's annoying? Chris Herndon. I, I can't do Chris Herndon anymore. <laughs> man. Like, it's just, there's just so much Chris Herndon talk, and I'm surprised. Like I looked at how much he's moved up, and he's only moved up like, t- I guess two cents. Point zero two. Oh yeah, on average. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was. I mean, his so his draft position's gone up three from like 157 i'm sorry from 163 to 160 uh but he's only people are only paying on espn which i think espn's default is 10 teams but uh you know 50 cents is his price so that's a guy who's got a lot of buzz a lot of people love chris herndon this year as they did last year as they did the year before so who knows? Yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? Maybe this is the year, Moody. It, I'm like, it could be. You know, if, if Sam Darnold uh, stays healthy and uh, you know doesn't miss games, and you know all those uh, new pieces that they have can uh, can coexist. But no, it's, it's an exciting team. Uh, you, know, you got Denzel Mims there. You've got Rashad Berryman. You've you got Jameson Crowder. So I'm like, it's it's really inexpensive uh, when you look at their cost uh, at ADP or even like in an auction format. Uh, Selfino was saying that too. He's like, and you know, he's like super Jets homer. He'll, he'll he'll sometimes deny it, but sometimes be like maybe a little bit. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, it's you know what it is. It's they're under they're undervalued. Like the entire team, oh, yeah. everyone likes to mock the Jets and their reputation. And you know, like Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Um, but the dude played with mono. He played with mono last yeah. year. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. Yeah. It's. Uh... Yeah, and then again, people discount uh, how a player develops. You know, from from one season uh, to the next, it's uh, you know who's dropped the most. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm just saying it's uh, it's, it's funny when we look at fantasy, uh, just kind of comparing it to the real world. It's um, you know, just people don't don't take that into account. I'm like, this is their job. You know, this is their kind of day job, so to speak. And so, it's all about progression. You know, they may have had a quote unquote, you know mediocre performance review one year but they're still doing things to better themselves you know for the next year's performance review people don't seem to have that insane mindset when they think about like nfl players it's like this is their job you know they they want to improve they want to get better they want to get paid (laughs) maybe they just had a bad boss there you go right like there you go that could have been it yeah see that that's a good point see we're, we're 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 providing all sorts of great insight today nando that's how we roll. That, that's here, how we do it. Right. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you before we wrap this up, uh, just sticking with the tight ends, the tight end who's lost the most in the salary cap format on ESPN 
Darren Waller. I don't know if I agree. I, like that's Darren Waller's. You know, I love to see it because I love Darren Waller. I'm a Darren Waller, Evan Ingram kind of guy. Um, but I don't know. Like, is is there? Am I missing something? Why Darren Waller's value is going down outside of just they have a lot of pass catchers right now? Yeah, my my initial thought was it's because of the the number of pass catchers. You know, he's not going to see the as much or as many targets as he did. Uh, last season, because, you know, Ruggs is going to command target share. You've got Hunter Renfro that's there. He had a really good rapport with uh, Derek Carr, so he's going to get some run. You know, you got Tyrell Williams, you know, who Jake and I talked about on, uh, you know, the All In Sports podcast about his situation. You know, playing through a a shoulder injury like a torn labrum is, is suboptimal, especially for a receiver. So I don't think that's going to work out too well, which kind of opens the door for uh, rookie uh, Brian Edwards. And so I just don't see him getting as many targets as he did like uh, last season. And uh, that that's really a concern considering the the price tag that's on him. And then also where he's being drafted, like in uh snake formats. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I'm still gonna go after him. I'm still gonna have him probably on every team now. If the tide is turning, I'm definitely gonna have him on every team. Yeah. Before it was kind of like, do I take Waller or wait on Ingram? Should I take that risk? And now it's like, might as well just get Waller. He's cheap. Maybe I'll get both. Yeah. I'm like, if you can get if you can get him cheap, you know, absolutely. That's the beauty of auctions is that uh, there's always going to be kind of value where you least expect it, depending on depending on how others in the league are, are spending their money. And so that's always like kind of watching that dynamic uh, on kind of players that are getting thrown out there first, you know, how people are, uh, you know, spending their, their dollars. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, nothing, nothing is better than like a live uh, auction draft. So that's it. I wish they did auction best balls. I would love to do an auction. Yeah. That ball. would be fun. It's like the best. Of oh the yes. Ball. That would be good. Yeah. That would be, that would be phenomenal. Maybe someone does. Hey, if you know if it exists, hit us up. Eric, it's wait, Eric and mm-hmm. Moody and Nando DeFino on Twitter. And hit up Beller too, which I believe is M. Beller. Uh, he's lurking in the background. <laughs> you always welcome to pop on and share your feelings, Beller. We're all family. Yeah, we are. We are family. Yeah, yeah, Beller. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> gonna wrap it up. <laughs> uh, can't even bait him into talking at the end. Uh, so here we go. This is a great show. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this. I hope this is helpful. Um, and hope maybe it got you excited to do some auctioning, uh, salary capping. I know it's, it's, we're in a weird time with the naming everything, but it's old habits die hard. So I don't know. Salary cap to me is the CDM game. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, for Eric Moody, the excellent, great, wonderful, terrific Eric Moody. I'm not a Defino. Thank you for joining us. And oh, and also Michael Beller silently, uh, sits in the back. <laughs> Anyway, thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, We'll see you next week with the conclusion of the Choose Your Own Adventure. But in the meantime, uh, check out theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. It'll get you a full year of The Athletic for $36, uh, which is very cheap. No ads. It's so easy on your eyes, not having ads blasting all over the place. So enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye.